Welcome to Wine, Spirits, and Witches. Tonight, we are going to study vocabulary, witch words. We are taking your asses to witch school. You guys had a good uh, holiday break there. Because I think how, like, you know, like schools that you offer, like Christmas and stuff, like we should just let our witch school out for Halloween, you know. But now uh, school is back in session. We talked about Sasquatch, talked about ghosts. Now we're getting back to the serious stuff. We're talking about vocab. Yes, and it's important to know some vocabulary, which vocabulary. Uh, some people may not know it, and uh, it's good to know if you're a rich. It's good to know, and I also think it's a really good confidence booster, especially for people that are starting out, because at least for me, one of the things that I ran into a lot when I first really started trying to like get involved in the community and take classes at different places and meet people was... I I was surrounded by these people with such a vast knowledge that was so much bigger than mine. And while that was really exciting and like I couldn't wait to learn from them, it it was intimidating and I felt really intimidated and kind of shy. And a lot of the other students were a lot more um, familiar with things than I was too. So you would hear people use these weird words and like casual conversation or in class and it's like you don't want to ask what they are and you feel dumb. So... I think that knowing some of the lingo will just make you a lot more confident and hopefully by you understanding a little bit about this, guys, it'll make you feel more confident to take classes, to go talk to other witches, to start getting out there and being social and expanding from there. Absolutely. So, Monica, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a little bit of beer. I have some Miller leftover from last week. I'm not a big drinker anymore. And so I have a lot of my beer left over, and I'm drinking some water tonight because my body needs water. I, I am on that, that water binge with you right now, and I would think that technically water should be considered a spirit because if anything, you're drinking the spirit of water. It's an element. It's cleansing. It's purifying. It's replenishing, and we need we need water just like the plants outside need to be watered. Nobody drinks enough water, so if you're listening to this, I need you guys Drink to water. pause it right now. And go drink some fucking water. Totally drink water. And not out of a plastic water bottle, guys. Come on. If you guys are witches and you're drinking out of a plastic water bottle, I'm taking away witch points from you. Go get a reusable one. Be nice to the planet. Go drink fucking box water. Whatever you need to do, stay away from plastic. Be an eco-witch. Okay. All right. Now that's I can't my... drink my water now because it's in a bottle and I can't find it. We're docking witch points for Monica. You have plastic? Yes, plastic? What kind sorry. of witch are you? I'm sorry. Witch I'm card sorry. pulled. <laughs> you know what? You, you've you had plenty of like reusable water bottles and stuff. It's just much like food. You were picky about anything that comes to anything edible. I so, am. Right? I know. I'm bad. I'm so bad. everyone that's listening, go get a reusable water bottle. Get a reusable water bottle for Monica and drink some water. <laughs> totally drink water. So when we're talking about like which vocab, which lingo and everything like that, what I find so intriguing is all of the different magical alphabets that you can use they have a lot of them have their own meaning so they can actually be used for divination such as runes right but they also just stand for different letters so you can even use them just to write like in your book of shadows or if you want to write like a secret thing to your witchy poo friend and not have anyone else know it you can use these different alphabets and i think that 
they're really fun and I think like it just made me feel like epically witchy when like I'm like oh I fucking know that you know um and I think the one that's the most popular is the runes right runes are one and they're um they're they're in Norse alphabet and they're really popular and prominent and you can actually read them as divination lots of times they're inscribed on really pretty cool looking stones or, or wood bone or wood yes and they're they're really neat and I think that's the first one that I was kind of familiar with and especially with like TV and stuff like that you see them a lot in like witchcraft shows or in like that show Vikings yes because that's that's where they came from right but another one that's not as well known that I kind of wanted to talk about real quick was the Ohm alphabet and I'm not talking about Ohm like meditating and chanting Ohm. The Ohm alphabet is also called like the tree language or the tree alphabet and the reason why I want to bring it up is because that's actually your first vocab word. Um, when I first heard of it I it's spelled O-G-H-A-M so I called them Ogham and yes. I remember going what's the Ogham alphabet but it's cons- it's called the Ohm alphabet it's just you know fuck phonetics I guess the English language again here we go yeah and they look like little um like like just like a straight line going up and down with other little lines going through it so right. it's I think a really kind of confusing one to try and learn because all of it looks so similar at least with runes they all look very different and you can tell them apart yeah but this is a Celtic alphabet yes and so it's from I- Ireland yeah yes. it goes back like way back yeah so and this is another one like you they also do have their own like meaning so if you wanted to use them as a divination practice you could right and i've even seen like cool little graphs online and stuff of the witches witches alphabet and the witches alphabet which are these totally other symbols that i i have to admit i'm not entirely familiar with them like if i see it i'll know it's the witches alphabet but i can't read it right right, right. um just because i haven't got gotten as far as memorizing it but there are a lot of really cool alphabets that you can use again to write in your book of shadows but also to include in your spell work yes and i think that it's really cool and you can carve them on candles and do things like that with them and i don't know why but i feel like they work a little bit better than just writing things down sometimes maybe it's because it takes that extra effort to learn it and because it's old and it ties to magical practices it's magical period yes so it beefs beefs that magical juju up right so I would check. I would tell everyone check them out. See which one you like. I kind of think I might explore the the witch's alphabet a little bit just because I like. I visually find the symbols appealing. Yeah, they're pretty. It's yeah, a pretty alphabet. I think it's a pretty alphabet. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try and like learn that one a little bit. I'm gonna put that on my my list of things, things to, to do. do. Okay. Yep. Good. Good I like for you. It. So. What what is a word that like when you first started studying magic you were always like what the fuck is that? Yeah, I would say witticians. Okay, which means counterclockwise. Counterclockwise, and what is clockwise? Disoil. Yes. So, and we work mostly disoil in our circle. I know some some paths that do work witticians. Some people like closing the circle with shins, but we just kind of work the soil. Yes. And so what that means when we talk about that is, like, the principles of that is when you are invoking or bringing something into being, you work clockwise or the soil. And if you're banishing something or releasing it, then you work Wittershins, which is counterclockwise. Right. Generally speaking. So that's why, like, when she says that we work the soil in our circle, I mean, we're actually 
pretty strict in our circle to the point that nothing can even be moved counterclockwise like if you're passing a paper or something to someone or you're trying to walk somewhere in circle you can't do it counterclockwise no no some some circles and some rituals are cool with you kind of just doing whatever but i think we are a little bit more strict with that one yeah Um, we are but yeah, so some some rituals, um, some some paths and coffins actually do things the opposite and counterclockwise, but they will still use the same words. So uh-huh. Dusoil is clockwise and Wittershins is counterclockwise. Right. And I always remember that, that I think I use it the most in just my everyday life mm-hmm. is when I'm cooking. Oh yeah. But you know what? It's really funny that you should mention that because when I'm cooking, I stir counterclockwise. I Catch think yourself. I normally do too. Just like uh, it's not weird. I don't know why I do that though. It's, it, it bugs me because I noticed that when I started trying to be a little bit um, more magical when with you're my cooking, cooking, yeah, and I'll just kind of zone out if I'm stirring something. I'll realize what I'm doing. I'm like, why the fuck am I always going counterclockwise? I don't know. Me too. I do it too. It's that's, pretty funny. That's I a don't weird know. thing. I have a funny um, Wittershins and Dusoil um, story, real quick. So I I pet sit once in a while, um, not as much anymore. I used to have a really a big background in animal science and stuff, and now I've kind of veered away from it. But for certain like really special friends and stuff i'll still pet sit for him and i was pet sitting for um the owners of green man one day and she the owner had told me she's like careful with the the bathroom doorknob you have to turn it wittershins to get out or you'll be stuck in there forever right and so i knew what that meant i was like oh, okay cool it's a weird doorknob no problem and my husband was over and he came and he like went into the bathroom real quick and you can hear him on the other side trying to get out he's like what the fuck i'm like just just move it wittershins it'll go and he's like what the fuck is wittershins <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that is how ricky learned his witch lingo okay. he wanted to figure out how to get out of the, the bathroom. bathroom yeah you better do it quickly then <laughs> Yeah, so whenever you guys hear people talking like Wittershins and Dieswa, and to be quite frankly, I feel like you always hear people talk more about Wittershins than anything else. Yes, for it's sure. It's also a really cool word, it I gotta is. say. Yeah, it is. Compared right? to Dieswa, it is kind of, yeah. When I hear Wittershins, for some reason, I think of like little witch shoes and like tap dancing or moving very <laughs> frantically. yes. Yeah, right? That would be a really cute name for a cat. It really would. I like Wouldn't that. Wouldn't Wittershins? I actually decided that my next cat's going to be named Vincenza. Okay. That, okay. I know, yeah, that's weird. My grandmother's name was Vincenza, and she hated her name. Yeah. So when she was dying, one of the last things she said, she's like, Shauna, I hate my name. Don't ever name your children after me. And I was like, cool, wasn't planning on it. No problem. She she grabbed my arm because she was so fucking serious. She's like, not even the dog. Yeah. And I was like, I promise to never name a dog after you. But then I was thinking about it recently. I'm like, I never promise to not name a cat after go. her. So my next cat will be named Vincenza, oh, wow. which means I need to learn how to spell it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> those ones, yeah, those ones definitely were really tricky. The one thing I think I heard a lot about in in passing in classes and stuff and it would be kind of thrown out and mentioned but never really explained was binding okay so binding was one that kind of got me for a really long time because i would hear it and in in context all i would know was that it was something bad and it's a form of like black magic which is why i think you never really hear more about it in most intro classes is because they're like it's bad don't fuck with it well i don't know if it's bad i mean if you're going to do a binding on someone who's messing with your life and if it's interfering it don't forget the wiccan read and it harm none do what you will so if they're harming you and it's causing really stress and angst in in your life and to your children you want to I have self-defense at that point right like a binding and what binding means think about being bound in cloth or being bound in rope 
That's what you're trying. You're doing. You're binding that person so away from you. They can't move. Basically. So they can't. Yeah. So they can't. No longer cause you harm. They can't. Yeah. They can't cause you harm. Um, but the way it always seems to be talked about is more like a curse. Yeah. But I think it also, again, within context, because right. It's, I mean, you're just not going to bind someone just because you don't like them. You exactly, see what I'm saying? You know, exactly. It has to be a really damn good reason why, and it it should be like almost the last resort. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And I think with that, that, that goes more into talking about magical morals and scruples there. Because some people, I think, just, and I'm, I'm saying this because the way that I would hear about it so often that it seemed like it was something so common, but something so dark and fucked up. Um, but I think that's just like, in general, yeah, like, if you don't like someone, don't find them. Ignore that's them. not what it's about. It's ignore them. If they're causing annoyance to you or they're kind of fucking with you. I wouldn't suggest a binding. I would freeze them. That's yeah, that's or what banish I would do. them or something. Yeah, yeah binding but, is definitely something it's more a pal- intense. Yeah, it's, it is very intense, and you have to be very selective with your bindings. Yeah, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a cursing. But you do, yes, you have to be very selective and really think about it. I think yes. it's something that. So that's basically what a binding is: is to bind someone to kind of hold them and tie them down away from you. Correct. But you should still that that's something that even if I think that should be really good intro knowledge of what it is, but maybe not necessarily intro knowledge on on how to do it. Right. Just no, because I'm, I'm not going to be talking about that tonight. No. No. no I th- I think and I think part of that too is because a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people I know that when they first get into magic and they start realizing realizing that they're magical, they get really fucking excited and they want to throw magic at everything and I think that's also one of the reasons why some of the more intense magic is definitely reserved for more advanced students that you don't get to learn till way later it's not just because it's sacred information but also you have to be responsible and grounded within your practice and that just seasons yeah absolutely that takes time it does take time and practice and years of study yes absolutely earn it bitches that's what what I gotta say about right earn it yeah earn it that's right earn it study Go. Do your homework. All right, give me a word. Give me a word. Let's um, do divination. It. Divination. So divination is um, like the practice of different types of psychic methods of telling fortunes in the future and giving yes. readings. And it's a really great word because it's it's very all-encompassing. I think it's a great umbrella term because there's so many different types of divination. Yes, there are so many, so many. I think the most popular one that's practiced today is tarot. Yes. And oracle cards seem to be like a new up-and-comer with that one, but just any kind of card reading. Um, I think palmistry is also a very classic one. And like, especially like when you look at Halloween decorations that look kind of psychic-y because I always want to look at them to see if I want to put them in my office at work. They're always palmistry. Uh-huh. But like your form of divination is tea leaf readings. Yes, that's definitely a form of divination. Tea leaf readings. There's fire readings. There's water readings. There's wax readings. There's so many different things you can divinate with. So many. You can you can honestly yeah you can do it with just about anything. I'm actually I was peeking through this book yesterday and it's the Victorian grimoire. I can't think of who it's by right now. I have it. I have it. Patricia it's, Telesco. I think it's Patricia Telesco. It's such a cool book. And I loved, like, when they're talking about divination in the one section because they talk, and I can't remember all of, like, the traditional names for it, but, like, handwriting analysis can be considered, can be right. considered divination. But what gave me a kick was mole divination. Yeah. Where yeah. you would look at where somebody has a mole on their body and depending on where it is would tell you things about their life. Right. Which I thought was really interesting. Um, 
there is a form of divination that I don't currently practice, but I really want to, and I can't remember the name of it right oh. now. I have to look it up, but it's it's kind of like scrying or palmistry almost, but it's reading lipstick prints. Oh, wow. So people would put lipstick on and then like drink tea, and then you would look at the rim of the cup and, and oh, read wow. the print of the lipstick. And I think I was kind of disappointed that I didn't see that in that Victorian book because I think that's definitely more like parlor divination. Right, right. Um, but it just seems so really interesting and cool. So it's definitely, it's on my list of something to try and practice because it just good. sounds neat. Yeah. So that's what divination is, everybody. Um, what about a besom? Do you know another name for a besom? A broom. A broom. Another fancy name for a broom is besom. And what besom. do we do with brooms? We cleanse with them. We, we guard our house with them. We, we cleanse our house with them. Yes. You can also, if you have enough witches, you can do like some epic witchy shit like from Practical Magic and make your circle out of everybody's brooms. You can jump the broom when you get hand-fasted. Yeah, you know what? I didn't do that. Oh. oh Bombed so. me out. Hand-fast. There's another word for you. There we go. So when you get uh, hand-fasted or hand-fastened, um, it's it's like a, it's a pagan uh, wedding ceremony. Spiritual where Spiritual wedding. It would talk about binding, but this isn't binding in a bad way. This is where you are binding yourself to another person. Right. So your hands are tied together during the ceremony. Yes. And traditionally, it was done um, not necessarily during the wedding. It was it was like a pre-wedding thing, almost like an engagement. So like you thought that you like this person, you think you want to get married to them. So you guys would go through a hand fastening ceremony, and it would last a year and a day. And then after that year and a day, if you guys still didn't want to poison and kill each other, then you would get married. Then you'd get legally married. Then you would get legally married. Today, we've kind of adapted that practice because a lot of people don't do it that way. So instead, it's just done during your wedding ceremony, which is what I did. Um, I, I had like the regular, the, the hand fastening inside of the regular wedding ceremony. So first we like exchanged rings and then we had the cord that I had braided. Um, but I, I used like my, my wedding colors, which were New Orleans colors, got married in New Orleans. So it was like purple and green and I braided it together, but I braided charms in it yeah, that, um, represented us yeah. and like different things with us and so we were hand fasted with that so I still have that so today more so it's not done as traditionally we do it during our ceremonies but yeah yes. but a lot of people still do hand fastings yes I've performed many hand fastings in my day without them being like actual legal ones and yes, just like without, the traditional yeah, ones yes just the traditional ones awesome yes yes indeed okay pick a word any word go you're in a day here in a day. Here in a day. Okay, very misunderstood, oh, people. Yeah. Uh, it's not technically 366 days. A year in a day when you're dedicating or, in, or getting into a coven or being initiated. The year in a day is to see if you fit in, if you really want to go forth with this, um, and preparation for study during that time. And it could be a year and a day, could be a year and a half, it could be two years, it could be five years. It's basically whenever your high priest or priestess deems that it's done. Right, that you're ready. Yeah, that you're ready. That's when your year and a day is done. But even like in, in hand fast means, they, there is the year and a day thing. So it seems to be a big marker within pagan lore and tradition. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, was it an actual year and a day? I kind of think it was because people maybe, just maybe it was. didn't live as long. So year and That's a day true. was like yeah, everything moved an a eternity. Quicker. Mm -hmm. Moved quicker there. 
But now with all the crazies in the world, you want to make sure who you let into your coven. Yeah, and we all live to be like fucking 90, so we can just slow our rolls and our year and day can be like two years and change. It's okay. Absolutely. And with that said, though, guys, like if you are, if you're trying to dedicate into a coven and you're trying to find something and you start and you're counting your days and you're like, I am 206 (laughs) days in, chill out, like a, a year and a day again, like Monica said. It doesn't mean an actual year and a day, but don't be in a rush. You have the rest of your life to do this, and things slow down, and they do all of that for a reason. But also, right. these are big life changes, and they 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 can they create turbulence in your life because when you dedicate and when you initiate and stuff, people will tell you that like it it fucked their life up, and that's not. It's true, but it's not true. What it does is it shakes loose the stuff that's not supposed to be there. It makes you look at yourself, too. It makes you look at because you're on a new path and, and you've got you've gone further in your path, which means you have to upgrade yourself, which means you need to get rid of all that excess. So don't, don't be in a rush for it. And things also, they take time and things, like, slow down on purpose. I remember when I was doing my dedication, like, weird shit happened. Yeah. I think, like, two or three different times, like, bizarre things that stopped it. And that just, I wasn't mad about it. I kind of like, I think the second time I was like, damn, I got to get my shit together. Mm-hmm. But it was just something where I'm like, okay, like this isn't supposed to happen right now. And mm-hmm. so like, you have to trust that process when it comes to your year in a day of anything. Like if something's not righty and not right, the universe is going to step in and make sure that your timing is stalled. That's true. It's just like when you're over, over working or doing, you're really pushing your body through a lot of things in your life and if you don't take the time for yourself the universe will take the time for you in the form of sickness and bring you down so you mm-hmm. can rest so absolutely and i think everyone kind of gets that heads up of when they're starting to overdo things so when you start to realize that you're overworking yourself chill out because i always tell people divine intervention is not as light and fluffy as people think it is it sucks you don't want to get the flu you don't want to break your right, foot exactly. or have work slow down or whatever it is so just chill the fuck out when the universe tells you to and don't make it do it for you because it's scary absolutely okay i want to talk about a boleen do you know what a boleen is boleen this is actually one of the tools that i don't have nor have i ever had it is a white handled knife curved knife. and it's a curved knife so it almost looks like a like a white handled sickle yes kind of and it's for harvesting herbs and a lot of people get that confused with their athame a lot of people will try and like harvest things with their athame but that's your ritual knife your boleen is your your practical knife right so you would use that with you because you know back in the day we weren't lucky enough to have amazon and (laughs) fucking green man and all these other things where we could go buy Arms. We had to get off our lazy asses and wander through the woods and step in fucking poison ivy and get bit by a mosquito and then get the herb. Yes. So we needed to use our bolene to get them. And they're sold in a lot of different places and they're really cool looking. I don't know why. Yeah, they need to have. Neat. I just recently, I had one back in the day, but it's disappeared in my move. But I have a new one. I yeah. have a new one. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I like it. I like my tools. I'm going to segue right into talking about athames. While we're on the topic of magical knives and daggers. Are you so talking about athames? You mean an uh, athame? Okay. Athame? Okay. So, just not. it's not just vocab, guys, and like how all witches, like different strokes for different folks, but we're also talking about pronunciation. Yes. And so, tomato, tomato, athame. Potato, potato. Athame. Athame, which is a double-edged ritual knife. An athame. Athame. Yes. I want to propose a poll. Everyone listening, (laughs) I need you guys 
to email us, send us a voice message through Instagram. Do whatever you got to do. I need to know. Is it Athame or Athami? You know what? I'm going to lose because this is the this is the West Coast. Back East, it's Athami, okay? Where I'm, no, there's plenty of East Coast people listening. I know where my East Coast people are. I need to know how you say that. Okay. Actually, I think the only East Coaster that I know that said this was my friend's like dumbass ex-boyfriend. So I'm just gonna discredit it right now. But we would both lose, according to him, because he would call it a bathame. Oh, and I was like, "Are you talking about bathame?" And he's like, "No, like the knife, like the bathame." I'm like, "I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Is it a knife for the bathtub? What's up?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. so I never figured that one out. I'm assuming he meant athame. He's just dumb, but. <laughs> Um, so yes, I need to know. We need to take that poll, but I'm I'm voting Athame. So okay, there's that one. What's what's another weird word that we say differently? Because then oh, Hecate and Hecate. Hecate. I think I use them interchangeably. I think I call her Hecate because when I first learned about her, that's how she was exposed. Yeah, but don't forget she comes from the Egyptian god Hec, so it would make sense that it would be Hecate. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. I made my point. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Applause. Thank you. Okay. Um, I th- yeah, I think that one of the reasons why she gets all these different things with her names is because she's originally from Egypt, right? Right, But then right. She's, she's been just like kind of taken into all these different countries. Yes, so she's and all different Greek paths. And, yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. And so I think her, her name has kind of changed with that. And if you don't know who Hecate is, she is the crone. She is the triple goddess. And she is also the, the yes, the crone, the yeah. wise woman. She's yes. main, mainly seen, I feel like a lot of times when, I, when I've when i done path workings and stuff and yes. I've met her, she is always a crone. Um, a crone is a good word to talk about too. I will get into that in one second. I want to talk about Thami Athames real okay. quick. Okay, go ahead. Um, so it's, it's a double-edged ritual knife. Now mine actually isn't double-edged. Oh, really? Mine is just, yeah, it's just like a single thing and I, I saw it and I was like, well, technically this isn't right, but I'm as you are picky with pizza, I am fucking picky with my ritual tools and I looked forever for one and I just didn't like any of them. Except this one. So I made that exception. So mine is just has one edge. Okay. Um, but they're not used for cutting plants or doing anything like that. This is for ritual use. I think the only thing I have ever seen an athame cut that is a physical object is a cord. Uh-huh. That's the only thing. So you're supposed to use them to cut circles, to cut doors into your circle, um, direct energy. To cast to mm-hmm. cast your circle. Yes, that that is what you use them for. So it's not a knife that actually ever necessarily needs to be sharpened, really, unless you're gonna go into a courting ceremony in which you gotta hope someone's athame <laughs> is sharp. And not only that, don't don't put your athami in the car when you're driving in the next seat. Keep it in the trunk because it is considered a weapon, and you will get. Uh, it will be, you know, you. I don't know what they do to you if they find it, but it's not a good thing just to have out in the open. That so. was actually a question that was posed to me. I recently helped the Green Man store um, produce the Grand Witch's Balm, my burlesque show, Bell Book and Candle Helped, and we got an email from one of the attending guests asking if it was okay to bring a ritual um, sword or an athame, and I said, while we would be fine with it, legally that can bring a lot of stuff, so let's leave that at home. So, yes, yes. put it... Put it in your trunk. Be smart about it. I have a ritual bag that's just like this giant oversized purse with all of my stuff. And so everything just lives in there. Yeah. When I'm exactly. going Yeah. Exactly. So we were talking about Hecate slash Hecate and tomatoes and tomatoes. And we got to <laughs> crones. 
So you hear the triple goddess all right. the time, and you see like the cool symbol for her, which is like the two crescent moons and the full moon. And what that is symbolizing is maiden, mother, and crone, the life, um, the life cycles of the goddess, and therefore the life cycles of us human women. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, we're the maiden, we're the young girl, and then you move into your motherhood phase of pregnancy, childbearing, all of these things, and raising your baby, and then you hit crone, which is when you stop bleeding. Right. And that's actually this really big honor, and I think that was another thing that I really loved about paganism when I really started discovering it, is because you hear about that, that, that time in a woman's life, it's like this really fucking horrible time that you dread, and it's embarrassing, and you're just hot and crazy. But the but then you hear about as a crone who's she is a wise woman she is to be respected she, and she just knows her shit and it just brought this whole different light on that that made it something I mean I'm not excited to go through it for myself but I'm not I'm not yeah I'm not opposed to it because that's just like this whole other level of respect that you get that you and you you learn and everything right and I'm going to segue into that bringing in rites of passage because that is going into your chromedom is definitely a rite of passage as a hand fasting is as a wickening is all rites of passage could coming it, of age would a rites of passage in this sense be just things that happen like that are um like signifiers within our life as yes. we grow or yes. would this also be considered like our initiations as well i or, ju- i think it's just different phases of our life as but we so it just comes with age yeah yeah so wiccanings um i was excited to learn about wiccanings because when i first started really becoming out not necessarily as as a witch because i always kind of identified as that but as a pagan because that was a totally different thing because not all witches are pagan you can be a christian or a jewish or catholic or whatever witch that you want to be no matter what that religion says about it you can do it because magic isn't a religion it's a practice and a lifestyle um and so as i i became really out as a pagan my family would say, oh, well, you know, then your baby's what? They're just not going to be baptized. Like, they're not going to have that. And that, for a while, because I didn't know about Wiccanians, I was kind of like, oh, well, I guess they wouldn't. That That is kind of a bummer. And then I learned about Wiccanine, which mm-hmm. is basically a witchy baptism. Right, exactly. And it's really a very sweet ceremony. I've never actually witnessed one. I'm assuming that the first one I will witness is probably going to be my own yeah. child's Wiccanine. Um and I remember the first time that I talked about this was actually with Carrie and Griffin at the Green Man store. And it was really sweet because I, I, this was before I, I really knew about Awakening. And I, I was kind of saying that someone said something about my kids not having when I was a little bummed. And Carrie looked at me. She's like, we can do it in the cauldron here. It's okay. Yeah. And it was just, it was so sweet and made me so happy yeah. that she would say that. And then it also made me feel witchy as fuck that I'm going to baptize my kid in a cauldron. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's great. Okay, so... We also have handmaiden. So you're looking at me like I'm supposed to know what that is. I've done my handmaiden duty many a times in circle, which basically means I'm your bitch. Right. And I, I have to set things up. So it's my job is setting up the altar, making sure things are clean, breaking it down. Assisting the high priestess. Yes. So that's what's called a handmaiden. And then we have a man in black. So he's like your protector. So basically, in really simplified terms... Um, he is like the circle and the rituals guard dog. Right. And a lot exactly. of times 
the man in black it doesn't actually have to be a he it's just a person um this person doesn't actively participate in the ritual and do a lot of the workings they bear witness to it they're in circle with you but they're kind of hanging out more so on the outside making sure that everybody in the ritual is okay that the circle doesn't get broken and nothing funky happens exactly a lot of times it doesn't but i have been to really intense workings where i've seen people that are very good friends of mine just get weird and you could see them like it's almost kind of like an anxiety attack sometimes or they get really quiet but i mean i've even seen their faces change i'm like hey man are, are you okay like i would stop my work and like Sometimes they just wouldn't respond to me. One time they just kind of like looked up at me like really weird. And I was like, oh, fuck, like you're not even in there anymore. Oh, but um, it wasn't my job to stop and do something about it. So what I did was I got the man in black because that was the person that was grounded enough to deal with it. Right. So exactly. that's what you do. You get your guard dog and let them be like nurse witchy poo and handle it. Right. Now there's an, something else called jumping the broom. Like we talked about that a minute ago, jumping the broom in hand fastings. It's a tradition where at the end of the ceremony, you jump over the broom, like you're jumping into a new phase of your life. Yes, because when you, you can use your, your broom as um, almost like a border for like different, like I don't want to call it dimensions, but like a different layer of things in life. It's that signifier. Like I've also been in rituals where you step with your left foot over the broom right, exactly. to indicate that you're walking into a magical space. So you jump the broom at the end of it because you're jumping into your new phase of life as a married couple. Right. And there's a thing called jumping the cauldron. Do you ever hear that? No. I ha is that kind of like in Beltane when you jump over fires? Well, almost, but it's it's for pregnancy. If you want to get pregnant, jump over a cauldron. Well, watch out. I've got some little cauldrons. I could just step over <laughs> that. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have to do that in, in ritual? Is that how you do it? Is, probably do you... in ritual, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about libation? Libations are kind of like an offering, yes. basically. I guess, that, yeah, technically, I don't know why I'm saying kind of. A lot of times when you hear libate, that is something that's going to happen during your circle. And right. it goes with your cakes and ale. Cakes and ale, you kind of got to think about like communion. You get like a little cracker or a cookie or something. And you have your little sip of wine, um, which is considered the libations. It's the same thing. But you also hear to libate it afterwards. What do I do with all this extra wine? Oh, libate it. Right. Meaning that you go and you give it to the earth. It's like a thank you. Like here, I'm giving back to you. And it's always a good practice if you're doing cakes and ale or anything with any kind of food or flowers or anything like that in your working that you reserve a little bit of it to libate at the end of it as a thank you yes. to the earth and the earth spirits are, that are there. So you'll hear libation, meaning your cakes and ale, but you'll also hear to libate it. Right. Meaning to kind of give a little bit back once the working is done. Right. What about muses? Muses? Muses. I don't know what a muse is. Muse is a Greek deity who helps with people in the arts. Muse. Muse. I thought yes. you said muse, like a moose, but with no. like an <laughs> a muse. A muse. <laughs> no, muse. We use that word a lot in just our everyday language as inspiration. Right. And so you'd hear that, oh, this person is my muse. This was my muse. So, yes, the, it was Greek deities that would create and inspire inspiration into artistic people and so we still use that word today i love how different mythology and pagan practices have just creeped their way into right? everyday life and unsuspecting muggles are witches all the time and just don't know it right here's another word for you the inner court and the outer court oh shit i don't know this okay the inner court is like the the uh, 
the initiated witches that okay. have you know studied and and have all this knowledge and they are the inner court the outer court are the people that are still learning who are not quite initiated or dedicated yet but they're still participating in the ritual and they're the outer court gotcha so okay. and that makes sense because it's just like not knowing as much because there's certain like hidden knowledge so to speak that that comes with different phases of your magical journey so right. yeah like your inner circle and your outer circle i also have how about this pagan standard time oh i am all about pagan standard time i'm also hawaiian so i get island standard time all too. right um so pagan standard time and all of you guys that are late and can't get your shit together are gonna love this crutch right here um we're just notorious for not being on time for running late for not being able to coordinate our schedules um our manager at Green Man often likes to say that trying to organize readers is much like herding cats. Uh-huh. It's just fucking impossible. So, yes, yeah, so the Pagan Standard Time is when you're just writing a little bit late. I've even seen jokes that it's really, like, funny. There was this meme that said, well, with according to the coven schedule, it looks like we'll be celebrating Samhain in January. <laughs> Epic, pagan Standard Time. Pagan Standard Time. And Hawaiians are the same way because everything there is just slower. Um, so I would like to think that it's kind of like math in my case where two negatives make a positive because I'm Hawaiian and I'm pagan. So I think they balance each other out. So I'm actually early for most things. Uh-huh. So, but yes, pagan standard time is real. It's a thing. Um, I wouldn't suggest trying to use that excuse at work. Even it's if not going to work at work. Even if you work at a pagan shop, they're just not going to be as understanding. But, you know. I, I use that excuse with my dog sometimes. You know, they get fed at 5 o'clock, but sometimes it's 5.05 and the dogs and the cats are freaking the fuck out. I'm like, guys, pagan standard time. <laughs> relax, relax. <laughs> Just going to be a little late. So here's one for you, patrons. 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 Our patrons are our deities that we work with. And while you're not limited to just, like, pick one or two and, like, stick with only those because there's many deities that do many different things and... At different times in our life, depending on what we're going through, we may need to work and build relationships with different ones, but your patron god and your patron goddess are like your magical mother and father. And so they're ones, and you don't get to pick them. It doesn't work that way. They pick you. Um, and I see a lot of people try, and they try and pick them, and I'm like, no, like you're, you're interested in this one, or you need it right now, but I think you, you just know your patron when you know yeah, your know patron. It. You'll totally know it. I have a question on which etiquette, because I think it's really different um, being more in, like, the magical public eye like we are, I think, at Green Man and, you know, at different people that practice this as their profession. We're a little bit more open about our magical practices than is traditional and stuff like that. Yeah. Is it is it common that people should know who your patrons are? Um, like, is that secret stuff? I don't know. Not nowadays. It doesn't seem like it. Was it maybe before? before? Yeah, we think it was before, but nowadays it's like kind of out there. Everybody, you know, you know, is dedicating themselves to some patron. Yeah, some, and so you know. it seems like it's more like public knowledge. Yeah, I would think so too. Here's one that should be kept more secret, and I think for the most part, I haven't ran into too many people that don't make it like public knowledge. But your your magical name. Oh yeah. Because we we have our our birth names that we go by, and it's it's almost much like a stage name or a pen name, but it's it's your magical name that you use in your workings, either individually or with your coven privately. It's not something that you're supposed to use when you're doing public when you're doing public ritual. Yeah. I think I only have one person that's like told me 
my secret witch name is, and I'm like, well, it is not a secret, secret anymore. anymore. That is true. Yes, yeah, so that's one that you do keep to yourself a little bit. Espet. Espot. Espot? Espet? How, wait, are we going to argue over this one? It's Espet. What do you call it? I I say Espet. Okay, I've cool. I've heard Espot as well. That's Griffin's English accent, you think? Well, there you go. I, You know what? I'm a dick. I also like to just give him words that I know he says differently, and he's a really good sport about it. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I get really excited when I learn new ones that British people say differently. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty interesting. We love you, Griffin. We also love herbs and vitamins. Yes. We love you. <laughs> so Espen is a, is a full moon ritual. It's a full moon ritual and versus a Sabbath, which is a holiday. Right, correct. And so sometimes I think that they, they get accidentally used interchangeably meaning more about excuse me okay meaning more rituals or going to circle where people will call it the sabbath and kind of talk about it that way so we kind of have to break it down and be like are you talking about an espat are you talking about or just a ritual because you can have have circle and ritual and do witchy poo things it's not the moon or a holiday right no exactly for a a specific region okay when we talk about the holidays too that's where you hear a lot about the wheel of the year Mm -hmm. wheel of the year um signifies the the major holidays that we have in most pagan traditions and while we kind of call them different things sometimes so for instance we have Samhain coming up but Stragas will call it Shadow Fest yes but it's it's basically still the same thing and around the same time of year oh yeah season. it's just a different name we call yeah. it a different name that's all um, but it's the wheel of the year because we have to think back when all of these things were really recorded and kind of put together by the general public. Uh, you know, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have these things. We were very dependent on the seasons right. and on agriculture and what the earth was doing. Right. And so that's why it's the wheel of the year. So if you actually were to look, like right now we're coming to Samhain, which is the final harvest. So when we don't look at just like the, the factors of the dead, and the veil thinning, we look at that it's the final harvest, meaning that we, the farmers are actually out picking their pro- crops, prepping everything and saving it for the winter. Right. Which, that would still be a somber time because winter was a scary time back then. Right. You don't know if you're going to make it through the winter, if you're going to have enough food. Right. If your livestock was going to live Exactly. The and then, like, we have Imbolc, which is in February, which is still winter and it's still snowy, but that's when you start seeing, like... The sun peeking through and there's hope. Yes. There, yeah, there's hope. There's, like, little, little plants popping up. Up, your livestock is starting to have babies so it's that sign of hope that, that things are starting to kind of come and mature and that wheel of the year keeps turning and we go through the seasons right. so our holidays are very much so linked to the seasons and what agriculture would be doing right which is also why um and i think we might have touched on this in a previous episode that the other hemisphere is on a total opposite right. schedule for yeah. us yeah and because their seasons are different so it really does make sense when you think about that okay i have a good one ready all right sky clad naked 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 when you are sky clad you are naked um and a lot of people talk about sky clad in rituals and stuff like yes, that um, and there are some groups that go sky clad pagans just like you know they like taking their clothes off what we're can the I say? original tree huggers and the original strippers we're just not into that clothing stuff and some of us aren't into plastic miss monica uh-huh <laughs> Um, I've also heard of people saying that they're going skyclad because it's something that still a lot of people like to do, but it's kind of like not something that can really be publicly done and you have to be super aware of where everybody's comfort zone is because you don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. So I've had people be like, I'm skyclad under my robes. 
And you know what? And don't let anybody tell you that you have to be sky clad because if you're not comfortable with it, you just don't do it. Exactly. You don't have to do it. Just know that. No. I mean, there are certain uh, rituals in which you need to be sky clad. But those still wouldn't be something that would that would be a public ritual. No, though, no, or... it would, I don't think so. But there are people that just like being sky clad. I mean, like, I do it all the time at Bell Book and Candle. I mean, I've still got some clothes on, but I'm as close to sky clad as I'm going to yeah. get in the general public. For yeah, sure. if you're going to do a sky clad ritual where, like, it's it's one of the rituals where you have to be sky clad for it, first off, that would be well into your magical journey, and you would be with people that you trust very much, and you probably would not be with a shit ton of people anyway. It would right. be a very intimate, small ceremony. Right. Here's one. I got one. Okay. Watchtowers. The Watchtowers. Yes. I have that here too. Ah, so the watchtowers are tied in, and you hear, I feel like you hear a lot of things all at once with this as we talk about the, the corners. Yeah. The elements, the directions, the watchtowers, um, depending on how ceremonial you are, you'll hear about the angels. Right. Um, and what we're talking about is the directions, um, you know. North, north, south, north, east, south west. east, west, and the different things that go with them. So, like when we're talking about the elements, right, or which, the elementals, or the elementals, which are also two different things. We talk about the elements. You have earth and north. You have air and east, fire and south, west and water. Most traditions, but there are traditions that are that totally that are totally different. Different, and yeah. the only thing that they have, the only one that's really in common, is the water. Yeah, I, I feel think. like water always kind of hangs out yeah. in the West, but there's colors that get associated with this. There's archangels that are associated yes. with it. Elementals, when we talk about that, we're talking about, I don't want to necessarily call them animals, even though it's the first creatures? thing I always think of. Creatures. You yes. Magical creatures that are associated with that quarter. With that quarter. Or direction. So, Absolutely. I think one of the most well-known ones are fairies. Fairies which for are air. air. In the east, and um, the one that I always found really interesting was salamanders yeah, being me for too. fire. Um, at first, I was like, I don't get it. They're amphibians. They should really be for water, or maybe even earth. Why are they with fire? And then someone brought it up to me, and it made sense. It's because when you would go to light fires in your pile of wood, especially if you hadn't lit it in a while, it's usually dark and you know really shady in there. And so the salamanders would crawl out of the water as the fire gets lit. Ah. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Um, in water, we have what elements do we have in water? They're escaping uh, me right now. Mermaids and mermen. Yes. Okay. I like that. Um, I was and, just going to say fish. And, and <laughs> fish. the earth is a gnomes. Gnomes. Yes. Um, you know what's really funny is I have a story. When I first learned about elementals and gnomes just before that, one of my friends got drunk for the very first time. Ah. And she called me and I went over to babysit her. And she had not very recently broken up with her boyfriend, but enough that she can still be drunk and angry with him. And she's like, we should smash everything that he ever gave me. And I'm like, hey, if that's what you want to do. And it was actually a lot of fun. Uh-huh. And she she wasn't even angry with it. She just had a blast. Except he gave her, because she was really into gardening, so he gave her this little, like, gnome. And that motherfucker wouldn't die. Like, she had her little hammer, and she was smashing him, and it wouldn't... He would not break at all, right? And so, you know, finally, like, the night ends, she goes to sleep, whatever. I clean everything up. I go home. The next day, I'm getting ready to go to work, and the gnome is outside my front door. And I was just like, oh, like, I I guess he was, like, in my pocket or something and fell out of the car, whatever. And I, I didn't really think about it. And I stuck him in the car. 
And then later that night, I went to, like, the Wicca 101 I was taking, and we covered elementals, and I learned that ohms, uh, that gnomes are earth (laughs) elementals, and I was like, oh my god, we tried to murder one, and now he's haunting us. So I gave it back to her, and I was like, you pissed this fucker off, he's following me, he's this, like, magical thing. So she came over, like, a couple weeks later, we were having a big fire, and she picked him up, and she just threw him in there. She's like, no, now I'm scared of him, too. Oh my god. So I can't say that I've actually gotten super close with earth elementals such as gnomes like i work with earth elements i work very closely with plants and stuff but i feel like gnomes still probably really hate me after that yeah (laughs) yeah i would say and you know when you're doing a a circle if you are calling in the elementals make sure you dis you dismiss them because if you leave them hanging around for instance they will get in your if it's water they'll get in your pipes and cause havoc or fire i mean just dismiss them send them back to where they belong when we talk about that, um, that means that you have to invoke them. So that talks about like your ritual setup, which is casting your circle, which can be done in a lot of different ways. Um, some covens or traditions will have like a certain script that they want you to follow or say. Um, I think like the most basic one that I was taught when I first started was um, I cast a circle three times around and I cast three times about and I cast all negativity out. Uh-huh. And you just kind of turn around, desoil um, three times, and, ca- and that's like the most basic one. And that's just casting your circle, which is kind of like your magical shield right. to keep out anything that is unwanted. Because once you start working magic, you're just opening a lot of doors, so a lot of stuff can come through. Right. So we're like putting ourselves underneath a colander so that it's strained out to only the stuff that we want to come through. Yeah. Then you'll start invoking your spirits and everything like that and so when like you invoke your elementals and then yes release them once you're done you say thank you we evoke evoke yes we evoke we evoke is um spiritual entities that we're calling and invoke are the higher powers like of the gods and goddesses yes okay so we evoke yes um our elementals and then you have to release them so they don't wreak havoc I like the invoke and evoke thing because honestly, I think I use the word invoke for everything. Yeah, yeah, and it's different for sure. I'm I'm gonna try and uh, be a little bit more on top of that one. Yeah, I, I I get a little confused too, but yeah, that's what that is. Now, waning and waxing. When we talk about those, we're talking about moon phases, right? So waning is when you're going from full, full. to new moon, and the way I see it is because like to me, waning just means decreasing. Right, things right. are waning away waxing is bringing it from new moon to full moon so it's growing in right and you can work with those magically off of just that so you don't just have to wait for your full moon or your new moon to do stuff you can use that waning and waxing energy very effectively uh-huh. um and I, I feel like it's pretty like straightforward so when it's waning you know the moon is going away so you're going to use that to make things go away to cleanse things and push it away decrease things waxing to bring it forward and bring it to you because we're bringing it in yes i've also heard that you're supposed to cut your hair i've heard two things that you're supposed to do on a waning moon Uh and i've also heard it on a new moon have you Uh ever heard that yeah like yeah the beauty magic or whatever to make your hair grow or something yeah yeah that you're supposed to do on a new moon but well i guess waning moon would it wait new moon would make sense or a waxing moon not a waning moon because you're you're pulling the energy in i've always used hair cutting as like a cleansing thing so my like little yearly rituals on new year's eve i always get my hair cut to leave the dead ends in the dead year that's good that's a good thing okay i also have crossroads crossroads um 
I think a lot of times that we hear crossroads, we think of being like in a pickle or having to make a decision that fork in the road. It's true though. Yeah, it it's it's true. But but five corners me. Yeah. At five? the crossroad. Mm-hmm. Five corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you know. I had to count that one out. And you know that's where magic is. That's an in between place for sure. A lot of people leave their magical workings at the crossroads. And you hear people speaking of crossroads, like, because you're coming to a point of your life where you have to make a choice which way you're going to go. Yes. So. Crossroads are very magical places. Yeah, people leave their uh, their magic there. And it's funny because we have crossroads even in suburbs and cities. We sure do. You just look for those corners, and it's really funny because now you guys are going to be paying attention. You're going to be walking down the street, and you're going to see some weird shit at a corner. And yes. you're going to wonder if someone drops something or if it's juju. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's also a place that you can communicate with spirits and do a lot of stuff like going back to talking about Hecate, she is the lady of the crossroads. Oh, so she if sure you want to work with her or leave her an offering and stuff like that, you can go to the crossroads to do it. Now, I don't think I need to talk about the HP and the HPS, right? That That is your high priest and your or your high priestess. Yeah, so that's basically like... The your, leaders of the coven. Yeah, yes. those are your, your leaders of the coven. Does the coven need to have both, though? It would be... It's nice to have both, but sometimes you can't, so you have either one or the other. Like, our coven today has just me, but uh, the coven that I came from had me and my high priest, so... Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily, like, one or the other works, but it would be nice to have Balance two. is nice. Yeah, right? yeah, balance is definitely nice, so. Um, I got a good one. Okay. This is, again, this isn't us battling um, how we pronounce things. This is us correcting everyone. Samhain. Samhain. Samhain? Samhain. Yes. Um, you know that I even named my cat Sam because of that? He was, really? He was born on Halloween. And oh, wow. uh, at the time, he wasn't my cat. I ended up adopting him from my friend. He's like, my cat was born on Halloween. What, she, what she, would I name him? I'm like, Sam Hain. <sighs> and so that's how I have my cat, Sammy. He is Sam Hain. It's, cause it's, and I get it, guys, because it's, it's spelled Sam Hain. It is spelled Sam Hain. S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Because, you know, witches all have to say just fuck phonetics. That's what's up. No, actually, it's a Celtic, right? Isn't it a Celtic word? Or Gaelic or something? Yeah. And I've heard different proper pronunciations are also Samhain. Oh, and, shit. And there's an, another one that I've heard, that, and I can't think of it right now, that is proper, but Samhain is not. Um, don't walk up into a witch store and say that now you guys can have your witch cred. So even if yeah. you walk in with your plastic water bottle, if you know what Samhain is, <laughs> You're I will I will kind of respect you and take your, your water bottle away from you, but it's all good. What about familiar? Familiar? Um, our familiars are, they're magical helper spirits that we use with our magic, and they're traditionally associated with animals and animal spirits. Um, our most like popular symbol for it is the black cat, a witch's black cat. An owl. Yes. And you know, you might have your familiar right in your own house with your dog or your own cat. Uh, working magic with you, so that's known as a familiar. I think most animals are super magical, but it's different when you have your familiar. It's just a totally different bond. My old cat, Wilson, was 100% my familiar. The second any magic was even thought about, he was there. He would show up. He was in circle with me. When people would come over to my house to do healings, Wilson would walk up to them, and he would sit on, like, whatever hurts. Like, he he would know. And so he was definitely a lot more magical than my other animals. But for the most part, they were all very willing to participate, except my old pit, Waffle. Waffle wanted nothing to do with it. Uh-huh. I would try and rake him, and he would give me a dirty look. I tried to smudge him once, and I feel, if he could clutch his pearls, he would have. <laughs> Ma'am, what are you doing? So he was he was not about it. 
Okay, great right. Great right. You mean sexy time? <coughs> great right. The original great right is actual fornication. Yeah, sexy time. And some people uh, still use the actual great right in their in their circle, but we symbolically do it. Um, most groups will symbolically do it with, with ale and the with a chalice and the athami. Yeah, and uh, we, you know, it's like uh, putting the athami into the chalice, like putting a penis into the vagina. If you guys didn't know, which school also included sex ed? What? Woo-hoo! Yeah, well, it's because a lot of what magic comes down to especially when we're talking about the deities it's first off it's balance it's also understanding like hey they did the great right and that's why we are here magical biology yes and so the great right is also done before cakes and ale which is when you do it it's a way of like consecrating and blessing the cakes and ale before you give out those libations to the group that you're with so it, it is also like kind of in a schedule there's structure with that and consecrating is purifying Blessing. Would, blessing. You, would it be, yeah, yeah, blessing. And when you do that, that also means like we're consecrating our stuff so that you can only use it for those magical purposes. Right. Um, I always joke because, as I've said, I'm really picky about my magical tools. And so it took me a minute to find. I, I My first athme I had ran away from me. Uh-huh. So then it took me a minute to find one. And so I have this burlesque prop that I use that's a rhinestone knife. And I'm still so tempted to bring it to ritual one day as my actual athame to watch Monica take hers and stab me with it. <laughs> and be like, no. But at the same time, like, as much as I want to do that, all joking aside, that's that's a prop. Even if it was an actual knife, it's a prop. And so once you consecrate something, you're promising that you're only using it for that magical purpose. That's a commitment. Okay, more. Staff. Staff. It's kind of like a gigantic wand. Or a walking stick. Or a walking stick, but it can be used as a wand, meaning it can be used to direct energy. So do you need both a staff and a wand? I mean, no, but I guess you can have both. It's nice to have it. It's nice to have. Would you say, like, if if someone had a staff that they could use for that, would you think that they still need a wand? Well, it's kind of big. It is big, but, you know, for those size queen witches out there, you yeah, know? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, but, yeah. For you personally, with, like, your, your coven people, if they, like, were like, I don't have a wand, but I have a staff, would you be like, okay, or would you be like, cool, go get a wand? I'll say, here, borrow borrow some, borrow some one of mine. So, <laughs> so she's politely saying, no. go get your wand. Okay. Yes. I can get behind that. Okay. Um, I also have here sigils. I love sigils. I think they're a really exciting type of magic. So sigils are magical symbols. Right. Um, and there's there's very traditional ones out there that have been tried and true and created and passed down that work with, you know, love energy, money energy, protective energy. Any kind of magic. Anything. That you can use, any kind yes. of intention that you can think of. There's probably a sigil out there that's already been created and used for it. But yes. you can also create your own sigils. Yes. Um, and there is specific ways that you can do it you can do it off of um either in a circle or in like a little block using the numbers from numerology and they will each be assigned different you know alphabetical letters like in numerology and you can use those to kind of draw and figure out what what your sigil would be definitely use it also by taking out repeating letters and vowels uh-huh. And then you have, you're left with these certain letters and then you can kind of get really artsy and yes, craft them. Definitely. Um, let's see what else I got. What do you got? Do you have something else? Oh, what about a poppet? 
A pop. So pop is 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 like the original. Why do I guess I wouldn't say original? Like they're probably all hand hand voodoo dolls. Voodoo you know, dolls. we think about those, but we I think we say poppets because it sounds nicer, even though a voodoo doll is a poppet. So it's basically a magical doll that you make that's stuffed with hair or herbs or different things depending on what you're doing to take on the energy and likeness of yourself or another person mm -hmm. and then you can do different things with it if somebody has a poppet of me please rub its feet <laughs> yes for sure but but they don't they don't all have to be bad like you know no. they can be used for so many different things but when we see them especially people that don't know better the most well-known one is voodoo dolls and so sure. they seem like these like freaky scary things and I mean, I guess you can be a dick with them, but you can be a dick with just about anything if you really wanted to be. I'm telling you. Um, I did have a good one, though. Where was it? Sensors. Sensor. That is an incense burner. Simple as that. Something to burn incense in. I think a lot of times when I see them, they usually have the wooden handle on them. Yeah, so that they're you can... very convenient, yes. I, I love having, they're not the prettiest thing. I really wish that they made them that are a little bit more aesthetically pleasing because they're just like these big bulky like yeah. brass candle holders or not candle holders, incense holders. But you don't get burnt. But you don't get burnt because you do want to kind of walk around with it. And I think some like really big like magic hazards are, yes, burning the shit out of yourself with angry hot cauldrons, incense burners, candle wax. Um, I have been poked many a times with like thorns from roses and different things when I'm like in my garden and I'm like, I am so fucking one with earth. And then my rose bush is like, Hey, fuck you. You know? Um, so, but yeah, I think, I think burns are a big one. I got another word. Covenstead. Covenstead. That's just like your, your, your tree house. It's your magical hangout tree house. It's the place that your coven goes to meet for rituals and stuff like that. Correct. Um, and I think usually there's like one main place. Sometimes like, you know, you'll, you'll take turns going to people's houses and cause you know, we all want to be like convenient and fair to everybody, but generally there's one main gathering space and that is your covenstead. And that should be a place that is kept secret. Yes, it should be. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that I have to say that does make me happy because for the most part, especially in today's day and age, I don't think we're as secretive, but we don't have to be as secretive because we're not being terrorized and demonized. So witches can be a lot more open than we were, which I think is why things were so secretive. But I love how even if you may know who coven members are, like you never know where the covenstead is. And right. I've got mad respect for that. Yes. Um, mortar and pestle. A mortar and pestle is something that a lot of people... Oh, is it pestle or pestle? Did we pestle. find... Pestle. Pestle. P-E-D-S-T-E. Pestle. It's with a T. P -E -D it is? Yeah. Pestle. Pestle. P-E-D-E-S-T-E-L. Pestle. Don't even get me going, okay? <laughs> that thing is used for grinding <laughs> herbs, okay? Grinding herbs and mixing herbs. Yeah. You Yes. And I have... Um, I have, I had to, I have one now, um, and I use one of those, like, old, like, God, what, is it, like, pumice, maybe, like, you know those, like, Looks ones? like a pumice stone, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it is the shit, I love it so much, it's huge, like, usually you see, like, in, like, um. When they used to make, like, flour for tacos or something, right? Yeah, like, you'll see, like, all, like, the, um, older, like, Latin ladies got it, and they're making, like, yeah, they're making yes. Um, tortillas and stuff in it but that works so wonderfully but I would love to caution people that it's good to have two meaning that you have one for your edible ingredients if you're gonna mix um, like teas or anything that you want to ingest or put in a bath and then have another one for your more poisonous stuff because a lot of magicals 
herbs are poisonous. Um, And so, like, the mine that I have, it's very porous, meaning that it kind of absorbs everything. Mm -hmm. I think the two things that I grind the most are um, dragon's blood, which is just sticky as fuck. It is. And blue balls. And frankincense. And frankincense. And those aren't things that you want to eat. No. Oh, let's talk about blue balls real quick, because people probably think I'm, like, smashing (laughs) testicles in my mortar and pestle. Blue balls are used in uh, cleansing forms of magic when you want to clean yourself or something. And really what they all, they're bluing, they're actual bluing for laundry, but we use them magically. Yeah, because they would like lighten things up and lighten yes. like your laundry and stuff. So and I'll, cleanse things, basically. Yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll crush them up and I'll I'll, cl- I'll use them for cleansing, either in like a bath or um, when I mop my floors. Right, right, they tend exactly. to go in there. All right, let's give everyone one more word each. What you got? Niche? Each, each. We'll oh, each oh, one. oh. Are we getting technical now? We're speaking about niches in, in science and, and <laughs> no. Okay. One more. Go ahead. You go for it. Pathworking. Mm. Um, we hear pathworking and it sounds like this really cool thing and it's because it is this really cool thing. Um, and it's essentially kind of like a guided meditation. But during them, I feel at least that like you'll have someone guide you so far in the pathworking and then they kind of let you explore and do your own thing within that that realm so it's a like a really magical good cool journey thing. Like it's like a, a journey. journey yeah and it's one of my favorite i think more like mellow types of magic i find them very informative they help create bonds to deities and spirits and they're very relaxing so i just i love doing them they're one of my favorite things okay cool uh me huh your turn uh let's see let's see let's see i would say spiral dance that is done on may day and it's a certain way where people like build energy up and ways of building energy that's going to be another show but um it's like this certain footwork you know behind and in front step behind step in front and you hold hands and you hold hands and you do a spiral dance and you need a good amount of people to do it because if you got four it's just not going to work no it's Um, not but it's really cool when you got a lot of people to see how it works because you really do end up like creating this big spiral and, and it's really energy cool. and raising that energy it's amazing it is fun and it's I honestly fun. think that the spiral dance to me is a lot more fun I look forward to a spiral dance a lot more than I look forward to the maple dance because yeah. the maple dance just gets confusing crazy. and crazy <laughs> I think I've only seen that through all the way like once because I just give up and yeah, i'm like because, you know yeah. what my wine is over there i'm gonna sit in the shade and just watch you guys go fucking crazy yes um i want to just be a jerk and i want to give out spelling words for people because i think it would be fun even though i feel like we went over lots of the spelling um but just in case there's om the right. og hams there's sowin right besom is a good one um sensor right Give me some other ones. What are some funky spelled words that people can kind of get a little bit more familiar with? I guess invoke and evoke, that's really more just knowing the difference. Right, right. Do you have any weird words that we can try and make um, people spell? Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. I don't think so. But you, someone can look up mortar and pestle since yeah. we now have a thing with that. Well, Hikate is usually spelled a little different depending on who you talk to. Really? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, she spells it with a C, sometimes it's with a K. Oh, yes, 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 mm-hmm. of course. I felt like I should have come up with a better spelling list for you guys, so I guess you're going to get off easy this time. Yes. Do you have anyone that you want to give a shout-out to? Uh, let's see. Who would I want to shout-out? Shout-out to my family. How's that? All my girls and all my, my kids, my grandkids out there. Mm-hmm. I know you're not listening, but 
I'm shouting out to you. <laughs> you have an awesome family. They're they're all awesome. Thank you. I'm going to give a shout out to my husband, Ricky, who is awesome and is patient enough to deal with us tipsy witches and records us all the time and shakes his head and rolls his eyes at us. And Also, I'm... Emily back east, who's, who's editing for us. We appreciate that. Yes, Emily, you were the shit. You edit this, and I feel like you've learned so much more about witchcraft than you ever thought. And you yell at us for fidgeting and <laughs> and talk about dogs and have to edit out like the weird witchcraft chanting that sometimes goes on in the background. We love you. And you know what? Shout out to everyone listening. We love you guys too. Yes. If you guys have words that we didn't cover that you, you think want to know about or want to know about, please yeah, drop us a line. Hit us up. But until next time, Mary Meet. Mary Part. And, and Mary, Mary Meet, meet again. again.